stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. I tell you what, have you ever thought about, you've seen something in your community and thought, gee, somebody needs to do something about that? You know, there's a great saying that somebody needs to do something about that. Oh, wait a minute, I am somebody, or maybe I should do something about that. Today's guest is Tracy Lund, and Tracy is from Terelgan and from the um, Latrobe Valley area, and she is the epitome of leadership and the epitome of standing up and saying something, speaking up, even when you're shaking in your boots. She has done so many incredible things just through pure passion for a better community. And I'll tell you what, you are going to love this episode. She's standing for um, parliament. She's like for the, in the state elections that are coming up in a few weeks. And, you know, I don't know how she does this, but she, is just an amazing person who cares so deeply about the community. And I just wanted to bring her story to you and you're going to love it. So I'm just going to be quiet. We just get into it and you will love it. So welcome, Tracy. Hi, Karen. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm so glad you're on because um, I have been watching you for years, as you know, and I just think you are a bloody legend. Well, that is high praise coming from you because I think you're a legend. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Mutual Admiration Club. (laughs) This is. It really is. (laughs) Well, you know, because... Well, what I want to talk about is that you're going for the um, the seat of Morwell as an independent and, and the elections are coming up in November. Well, 24th or 26th, something like 20, that? 26th of November, not that I'm counting sleeps. <laughs> and I really want to talk about that because, um, you know, I think it, I have a lot of admiration for someone who stands up for their community and I also think it takes a lot of courage and, you know, I really want to get into why you want to do that. But First, I want to sort of give people an idea of who you are because, you know, sometimes um, we see an independent standing for a a seat, you know, and we kind of think, oh, who are they? They just popped out of nowhere. You know, do they even live here? Like a lot of that stuff enters our mind. You know, I never saw that person before. Um, So I I want people to um, really hear about your community investment because, I think that's critical of a, of a leader and someone who's running for parliament and who's going to be representing a whole bunch of people. So how's that sound? It sounds amazing. I can't wait to talk to you about it all. <laughs> and you know what the funny thing is, is that you, ever since I've known you, you play yourself down. You know, you're kind of like, no, I'm just not, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything great. I'm just doing what I should do. And I... Bloody love that about you. When I first met you, I, I don't know, I reckon it might have been uh, four or five years ago. I can't remember, but it was at um, 
uh, the neighbourhood houses AGM, and I met you at uh, Karamvara, and you know, you you took I, I did a keynote, and you did, took some photos for me, and you know that was that, that was fantastic. But but not long after that, I met you at um, you were doing the Gippsland Community Leadership Program. And, you know, it was sort of a great opportunity to, to rekindle a connection, you know. And I tell you what, I'm so, so bloody glad we did because now I'm going to read out your list in a minute. But now I do a lot of leadership, um, uh, you know, programs and facilitation. And you are the person that I often use as the epitome of leadership. So how do you feel about that? I know you've told me that and I'm I'm yet to hear it. And I have to admit, when you first told me that, I was like, why? <laughs> I was wondering why. Um, but I'm I'm keen to hear a bit more about that and then maybe chip in a little bit if you're happy to. Oh well, actually it's your show, even though it's my show, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just setting the scene for my admiration for what you do. It's um you know, here's the, here's the list, and I'm gonna un- then I'm gonna unplug a few of them and just sort of you know go through it. But in, so in just to everybody listening, here's a bit of a background of Tracy. 2011 moved to Terrelgan. 2012 uh, started managing the neighbor Morwell neighborhood house. 2014 there were the mine fires, and she stepped up and absolutely, absolutely stepped up as a leader in the community. Uh, then in same in 2014, ran for an independent for the seat of Moore, securing 11% of the vote, which is huge. And there's another part to that that I can't remember, but it's um, something about you upset a marginalised seat or something like what? Tell yeah, me. Yeah, so, so um, previous to 2014, Morwell uh, was an extremely safe seat. So... Securing um, 10.9% of the vote meant that we've now, Morwell is now one of the most marginal seats in the state. So it is actually something I'm really proud of because we know marginal matters. Yep. Um, and it is really important that, to me, that the seat of Morwell remains marginal. And for a number of reasons, this seat has powered the state of Victoria. Yep. Um, and and it's uh, for me election time is it is really important that we refocus our lens on on that power one we've powered the seat but two we have power in our votes so it's really important that we really look at who's representing us and how we can get the best representation we can at each election time. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree with that. I've seen a lot of. Um candidates or you know people even being elected and they say one thing you know and they're not really that invested it's all about ego and and you know people are gonna get cranky with me for saying that and I don't give a I don't give a shit really because you know people people do do that and and then they're really disappointing and one thing I know about you is that that's not going to happen whatever you're saying you're going to do you're going to be fighting tooth and nail for and in fact I've seen you run yourself into the ground um standing up for what you believe in which you know, maybe you and I need to talk about self-care, but um <laughs> sometimes I think we do. I I um I'm probably not the best at that. I wouldn't be the poster child for, for self-care. I, I'm aware of that, but I have really good people around me that, you know, will often just stop me in my tracks and go, you know, it's time to time to stop. You need to take a rest. Um, and I think if you can have good people around you when you don't have that self-monitoring um ability. 
and those people can recognize that for you you know that's just it's priceless but it's actually you know the glue that keeps you going so um i'm really lucky that i have that um because i think um yeah i would run myself into the ground and i think for me it's about that passion for people and the work that i do i often talk about um how my job um I'm so lucky that I have it because I get to interact with people every day in our community um, and I get to make a difference. And I I go, I drive down to Morwell every day from Taralgan, um, knowing that I'm going to make a difference to somebody today. And that that's really what powers me. It's what keeps me going. It's what makes me take that drive every day. And it, it's what makes me get up in the morning and um I guess it's that for me it's about that purpose that gives me purpose I love that and I remember when when you were doing GCLP and what you know the workshop I did at the very end one of the questions was what gets you up in the morning and and for you for you for me to hear you saying to make a difference geez that, that matters that's why I get up every day you know and and God, I love that. I love you, actually. Just, just you know, so just to put it out there, I love you. <laughs> you're, you're amazing. I, you know what I've learned about having a purpose um, is that I often see people that are um, without purpose yeah. and they're struggling every day, you know, just with, you know, the meaning of life, with getting out of bed, with, you know, they're struggling with the, you know, basic necessities. And then when I can offer them an opportunity at the house, whether that be, you know, volunteering or maybe it's about supporting them with food or maybe it's about me making a phone call on their behalf, mm. I can see that switch in people because suddenly it's like somebody cares and there's a purpose for me now. So, and I think that that's the stuff that makes my heart sing. And that's the stuff that grounds me every day and reminds me that we, you know, we really should be giving more than what we're taking. And every time we do that, we make a difference to somebody and we mightn't even know that difference. And I think sometimes it's, it's hard to sort of hang on to that. And you're like, I know I've had some bad days where I've thought, you know, is what I'm doing, does it matter to anybody? And guaranteed when I'm in that slump, I will meet somebody or interact with somebody that will say something to me like, you know, your support made all the difference in the world to me. You know, when you did that thing, that was so powerful for me. And I'm just like, you know, and that kind of puts that spring back in my step and gives me that purpose. So I think always looking for your purpose for me is really what we should be doing because we can make such a difference on such a you know a small scale but a huge you know a big scale a huge scale but also on our community um scale you know really being able to do that those little things each time make a difference across our community but you know when you're talking about that that just a little thing that you do for people yeah someone says oh that support you gave me that can be saving somebody's life that actually can be the day that they were giving up you know and then and you just do that little bit of kindness and and that's not that's immeasurable you you just do the tiniest little thing and it is an, an entire life to somebody else so I agree with you we've got to show up we've got to show up to make a difference and and have purpose Oh, absolutely. And I'll just share something now because you've just reminded me of something. And I, I don't always talk about this, but when I was growing up, um, and it feels like a long time ago now, but and it was a lifetime ago for me. I, you know, my life is completely different. But 
you know, I come from a highly disadvantaged family um, and there was lots of issues in my family around domestic violence, gambling, alcohol, and we would, um, I'd show up at school every day. Um, but it was, and I, and I remember this intently, there were a couple of teachers along the way that identified that I was probably in Struggle Street at that time. And they reached out to me in a different way to say the other teachers and my classmates at the time. And I still remember how they supported me and their, you know, their hand of extension of like, you know, you, you're, you're going to be okay, I'm here for you. I remember it to this day. Mm. And even though what they did was quite small, you know, in some cases it was just giving me a sandwich for lunch. Um, other times it was taking me out of the classroom and taking me up to the deputy principal's office so I could sit there and help, you know, when I was, it was a very important role when I was in year five, <laughs> the deputy principal. Um, and then as I went into high school, there was a teacher that reached out to me um, in a different way and just let me know that he knew something was not quite right for me and he was there if I wanted to talk. Now, I never took that offer up, but I can remember just being, you know, just really feeling like somebody understood, somebody cared, somebody noticed, and that made a difference to me at the time. So I think from my own lived experience, it's something that I've really taken away from because if I hadn't have had these little engagements along the way where people had reached out a hand of kindness or, you know, put their hand on my back and said, you know, it's okay, we understand, or do you need anything, or here's a sandwich, without me prompting, without me asking, I don't think that I would have, um, I guess, like appreciated the support that I could get. But I don't think that I valued myself at that time where these little interactions made me think that, you know, maybe I'm okay. Maybe I will be okay. Maybe if I just keep trying, I can make a difference somehow to somebody else. And they inspired me to really be thinking about that. And I guess as, as you know, life, you know, you're traveling around life, you know, when you do things and you make mistakes and that, but always in the back of my mind has been that support that I've had along the way, those people that have championed me in a different way. And as I've got older and, and then I've, you know, come into work at the neighborhood house and you mentioned earlier about the mine fire um, and standing up for that, I can tell you now that I was absolutely scared about saying anything at the time. But there are a number of key leaders that reached out to me and really, you know, acknowledged one that I was there, two that I had a voice and really encouraged me to use that voice. Um, and it's support again that I'll I'll never forget, but really helped me find the courage to keep going and do the things that I needed to do for our community at that time. Mm, I was going to ask you about that, you know, about when you did stand up at those fires, you know, because it was kind of like, you know, all hell was breaking. Well, actually was like hell, you know, the bloody town was on fire. Well, you know, all around it. And it was um, it was kind of like uh, nobody knew what to do. No one was taking responsibility. It was just a bloody mess. And then you just sort of come up like the, uh, you know, the uh, what's, that, what's that thing rising out of the fire? I can't. Yeah. Oh, I feel like. The um, Phoenix. And the Phoenix. <laughs> I will say I had no clue what I was doing, but I knew what was happening was wrong. Yep. So, and I think if if you've got a good sense of right from wrong, and if you've got a good sense of social justice, um, they're quite empowering spaces to work in. So I knew 
what was happening to our town was wrong. And I also knew the information that we were given at the time was also misleading and not supporting our health. And I don't know if you're aware of this. Um, and sometimes I look back at it and I go, I don't even know why I did that. But at the time, I started recording our, um, my interactions with people. So I would get a phone call or somebody would pop in and they'd say, live on Macmillan Street. And they'd say to me, you know, I've got a thick head. I can't think or something. So I'd write it down. I'd write the date down and I'd write resident on Macmillan Street re reports saying that they've got a thick head or a constant headache or they can't breathe. So I started really, really early. I think it was like day two or three of recording these community interactions I was having. And to this day, I'm pretty confident we were the only space that actually recorded any information from the community. And we could see, I could actually see really early on that the health, the immediate health implications were, were running across our community. They weren't just in the south side of Morwell, they were across our community mm. um, and it was alarming. So people were having immediate health effects. And then it started to turn my mind to what are the long-term health effects and what, what are we what are we going to see out of this? Because at the time, the government of the day was saying, no, there won't be any long-term health effects. But we actually didn't understand one what was in the smoke. And this was an industrial disaster. It wasn't even, you know, like a, it was being sold as um, a bushfire smoke, but it, it certainly wasn't. It was a hazmat. So it was toxic fumes, toxic ash that was falling from the sky. And we still won't understand and won't really know the full impacts of that event on our health. And that'll be across our community. But certainly, I think we're better placed than what we would have been if nobody had spoken up, um, mm. if there hadn't have been community I guess, push back against that. And it really was community and it wasn't just me. There was a number of people that started to vocalise their distress and their concern. Um, but there were a number of community people that recognised that we had to push back against this. And I, I still don't believe that um, the government or any successive governments would have taken any notice of that event or um, implemented any, I guess, programs I mean we've got the health innovation zone we have the health study there's been a number of things that have happened as, as I guess a knock-on from that event mm. but also at the time and I find this um I, I find this one of the more interesting things and one of the less well-known things is that there were no smoke protocols at the time so everyone I was interacting with um was saying oh there's no smoke protocol so we'll you know you just got to stay there so there was no triggers to evacuate the community or the town or parts of the town. Um, and since then, since the fallout of the mine fire, we now have smoke protocols. So now when you see um, an industrial hazmat fire or, or an incident that maybe say a tyre fire, you know, like, you know, sometimes those tyre spaces catch a light, you will now see the communities in the surrounding areas door knocked and evacuated. And that's mm -hmm. a result of that community pushback from Hazelwood Mine Fire because there were no smoke protocols. So there, that incident, um, as devastating as it was and has been on our community, and like I said, we won't really know the full full impacts on our health for, for some time, has set a precedent for change um, around smoke protocols, around how, you know, our education providers support our children. I know at the time I was writing to sending emails to my 
um, children's schools. And I and I reflect back on that sometimes thinking, I must have sounded like the crazy parent. <laughs> Because I was like, you know, it's really smoky outside. Can you just keep the children in? And I knew full well they were going back to the education department that were then saying, you know, there's nothing to see here. There's no smoke protocols. Let them out. And I was dying inside every time I got an email back going, Tracy, we've checked with the education department. You know, it's safe for them to be outside. I knew that, knew it wasn't. Mm. So I I felt like I was in this torn little space where I wanted to protect my children and be a mum, but I also needed to respond to the community and step up in a space that I was completely uncomfortable in. Um, and I, you know, and I didn't know my, I didn't know the space. I didn't know how to work with media and I didn't know what I really could be saying. And I was quite nervous about what I, what I did say at the time, because I didn't want to upset anyone mm, yeah. that <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to say the wrong thing so I was always second guessing myself and you know what can I say what's safe to say now I can fast forward eight years and and say that I've grown um, in my confidence and my courage to be able to speak up in our community but that at that time that was one of the most biggest personal struggles I've ever had in my life is trying to position myself and understand where I where I could speak and where I um, could have the most impact. Um, and I was, you know, I was terrified as well because, you know, what we were experiencing mm. was so different to what we were being told we were experiencing. So it was completely out of step. So to stand against that or even question that with the authorities of the day was a really challenging space to be in. But you did it, you know, you found the courage. And, and I think that when we've got a deep enough value, do you, you know, that we value something deeply enough and we, we that moral, you know, moral right and wrong, you know, I think that, but but often people won't stand up. Often people have got that fear. And like you're you're saying, you know, I had a fear, you know, I, I was I was really scared. I didn't didn't know what to do. And you also mentioned in there that you positioned you know, how you, you're positioning yourself. And it comes back to that great saying that, that leadership is not a position, it's an action, do you know? And when you take action, you do position yourself. Do you know, you're not, you're not waiting for somebody else to give you permission to have that position. You're saying, no, I'm going to take action and I'm positioning myself where I need to bloody position myself. And that's, that's right. Important. And I think that was the reflection I had at the time is, one, it was about the action, but it was it was the right thing to do. Yeah, you know, and what is you know what's that saying when you're uh, when you're silent? Oh, sorry. Well, I'll when you if you say nothing, you're actually apathy is standing up for the perpetrator. You know. Yeah, and I, I guess I kept coming back to that. If I didn't say anything, then I was making it okay somehow, yeah. and I I just couldn't. And I was. Um, I was suffering as well. I was going down there every day and I could tell you the difference from driving from Traralgon to Morwell. By the time I got to Morwell, I had this thick head. I had stinging eyes. Um, you know, wow. even trying to work in that environment when your health is being immediately impacted, you know, to think clearly, to support people the way they needed to be supported, that was going against the grain at the time. Yeah. It was it was an extremely challenging space, and I was really lucky that I had, um, like I said earlier, I actually had some key leaders reach out to me and say, "Keep doing what you're doing. You know, we need a community voice. You're actually on the right track." And that was the stuff that was kind of 
behind the scenes when I felt like I was failing and I, and I couldn't do it anymore and I maybe I was positioning myself in the wrong space. Maybe I was just making this up. I don't know. Maybe there's nothing to see here like they're telling us. Mm. Um, it was those people that were reaching out to me and telling me that I was that I was okay and that my voice was, you know, was important and I was on the right track. It was that that kept kind of spurring me on going, okay, maybe I'm okay. And it was also the community that were coming in to see me at the house that were identifying they were in trouble, that were calling because they're, you know, they were having health impacts or they were worried about their children or they were concerned about what the health impacts were going to be, whatever it was, whatever they were bringing me. And I was recording every time I'd look back on what I'd written down, it was giving me that sense of purpose. Like I've got to keep going. Yeah. Someone's got to say something. So for me, I guess that's where it really started um, is that kind of, I won't say that incidental leadership. I'm, I guess it's that community that really kind of grassroots leadership started for me there is that there was, there was an issue, there's an incident, there's a problem and somebody needs to say something. Um, so that was that, you know, that was the driving purpose, I guess, for me at that time. Now, you know, if I fast forward eight years, the whole world of things have happened for me in that time. Um, but it's still why I get up in the morning. You know, my love for Morwell and the electorate, um, I guess, is really important to me. And I get to see on the ground all the time where I make a difference. So that's really important. But that work through the mind fire is something that, for a number of years, Karen, I didn't even want to talk about. I, I really shied away from because I felt like it had um, tainted me somehow as well and, and that people were, saw me in a light that wasn't really reflective of where the work was and why I'd done it. So it took me a long time to come to the understanding and be comfortable with the fact that people didn't have to like what I did. They didn't have to even appreciate it. They could blow raspberries at me, but I still stand by how I worked, what I did and how I supported the community and why it was important and why I'd do it again tomorrow. Mm. Um, but, it, you know, I had to get comfortable with the fact that not everybody appreciated that no. and not everyone saw it the same way. And I, and I had to also get comfortable with not everybody has to like you. You don't have to be everybody's <laughs> cup of tea. Exactly. <laughs> such a small age you know you've got to be liked by everybody and you know you've got to make friends with everybody and and that was always in the back of my head what if they don't like me if I say something they're not going to like me if I say something and I've I've had to really wrestle with that and I um I don't know just that journey for me has so much of it has been about it's okay not to be liked as well um as long as I'm comfortable and I'm doing the right thing that's all that matters to me now yeah. Well, otherwise we don't never do anything. We're just worried about what everybody thinks. We don't do anything. But I love all what everything you're talking about there. It's, it's pure systemic advocacy. Do you know? And a lot of people think that systems change and programs. You know, when you're talking about all the programs that came into that, that, that were put into place because of your advocacy. And a lot of people think that that we're just going to wait for the government to do that. We're just going to wait for a big agency to do that. We're just going to wait. And so that that makes us powerless. You know, we sit there, we sit there thinking, well, I can't do anything about it. You know, and I'm just waiting for these people. But the people are just often pen pushers and paper flickers. Do you know, you know, without any, uh, without an emotional investment in it. And people like you, people like us, 
can change, make systemic advocacy. We can change systems by by speaking up, even if we're even if we're scared shitless. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the best and the biggest changes actually come directly from community. Those community change makers that are on the ground that understand the issues and that are willing to put their self on the line to advocate for them. That's where the change is made. I and agree. if I look back at um, you know, at that time, it, it was really scary because we hadn't really seen that before. And I, I also got the tag at the time because I, as you said earlier in the program, only moved here in, at the end of 2011. And I started working at the neighbourhood house in June 2012. But in 2014, here I am speaking up <laughs> about what's happening in our community, why it's a problem, you know, what are the, you know, I was asking the hard questions. What are what are the long-term health impacts here? What's going to happen to our community? And so I, I quickly got, um, and this is something that's kind of powered me forward and I'll share it because I, I, it makes me laugh a little bit now. But at the time, I quickly got, you're not one of us. You're not wow. a local. And I got a lot of that at the time. And I, I really took that to heart. And I was like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm actually not a local. And then I started to second guess myself again. What right have I got to say anything? I'm, I'm not a local. You know, I'm not from here. But what I started to recognise is that that was the power that I had. Yep. Not being local meant that my lens wasn't coloured in the same way. Mm. So I actually was able to speak out because I didn't have those ties that the locals did have. I didn't have that weight bearing me down that, you know, I'd had fathers or grandfathers that had worked in the mines. Um, do you know what I mean? Like I didn't have those connections. So I could actually speak my truth about it. Mm. So at the time, while it was terrifying being told, you know, you're not a local, you don't speak for us, it actually became part of the power that I had is that mm. I, I did see it through a different lens and I was like, okay, I'm not a local, but there's still a problem here. And I, I'm seeing this and viewing this very, very differently and I'm prepared to speak up it, about it. So it became a power as well. But now I've kind of, you know, over the years I've used that as my benchmark and, I, and I'll share this because my, my husband finds this the funniest thing ever and he's like, he actually tells people <laughs> this when they ask, like Tracy's not a local but she wants to be buried here. So I <laughs> I started to use it as like, you know, it was kind of my mindset, my, you know, my challenge was what do I have to do to be buried here, to become a local? What do I need to do? Yeah. Because they're right, I'm not a local. I am viewing it through a different lens. But if I want to be buried here, how do I become a local? And so that that's where I set my, I guess, my benchmarker is like what do I have to do on the ground in my day-to-day -day work to become a local and, and since then you know recently I was talking to somebody about this and they gave me a big hug saying but you are local and they uh, I agree somebody that's um you know has long-standing family ties here yeah and while they see me as local now and I really really appreciated that I would say back in 2014 they probably didn't and when I was explaining that I use this as I wanted to understand what I needed to do to be buried here. How do I become a local? Because this place is so important to me and the outcomes, the good outcomes that we deserve is really important to me and I want to continue to advocate for that. Um, but now he 
sees me as a local um, and so many people do, but I, I still use that as my benchmark is like I've got to be working towards that and um, I want to make sure that I, I can be buried here and that when I do go, that I've left a legacy of relationships and impact um, that the yeah. community can be proud of, that my family can be proud of and that I can be proud of. Oh, I love that. And I and I tell you what, what, what was striking me when you were saying that was that, you know, that you're only here for three years and, and people weren't saying you're local. But I know people that live in communities for 20 years and never interact with anybody else and they don't want a bar of what's going on in the community. And now for, for you to come in and within three years you're saying, screw this, I love this place so much that I'm going to throw myself on the line, you know, to defend this place. That is the epitome of a community member. Do you know, like, there's just so much irony in everything you're saying. But I, I, yeah, I know. I really, and it's, but it's, it's just, I, for me, it was well, I don't get to actually talk about this stuff very often. I'm not really asked about these sort of things. Um, you know, I'm asked about food insecurity and housing insecurity and lots of other important issues that are happening in our community. And I'll advocate and speak in those spaces, but I'm not asked about why I do the things that I do or how I got here. So it's an, it's a different space for me to speak in. Um, but I think it's really important for people to understand that, I, I guess, you know, what powers those leaders that you, you see in your community or those that, people that you might see as community leaders and, and also not to judge. I think that's the other thing that I've learned along the way. And, you know, we all do it. I can put my judgy McJudge pants on sometimes. Like, <laughs> what are you doing that? That makes no sense to me at all. And and quite often when I go up and then I try, you know, and reach out and have those conversations, there's an understanding there about what we're trying to do. And this is something that I've come away with recently is that, even in the lead up to this state election, as I've spoken to the candidates along the hustings, um, we all want great things for the Valley. We yeah. might differ in our views about how we're going to get there or what we think it needs. Yeah. But at the end of the day, everybody that is standing as a candidate wants to make change, wants to see, you know, Latrobe, the seat of Morwell prosper and wants good things for our people. And I think, you know, I look at that and go, you know, oh, you know, these people may be my competition, but I actually see them as friends because we're all, it's really hard to put yourself on the line and stand up for something that you believe in, whether you're in a party or whether you're independent or, or whether you're just there to shake the tree because you want somebody to take notice of a particular issue that you might, you know, you think is important to our community standing up and using your voice in whatever capacity you can is the most powerful thing you can do and it should be applauded every time we see somebody do it we shouldn't be trying to knock them down at the knees we should absolutely be going buddy you know well done keep going you know we need to hear these things we don't have to all agree but it's important that we have people stand up and advocate in their spaces in the, you know, for what they believe in. Like I've had somebody recently reach out to me about cat desexing because that's really important to them. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as you can speak your truth about it and you can, you know, you're prepared to, to raise that as an issue, people will take notice. I know. I was just having that same conversation yesterday, actually, about... <laughs> 
yeah, about why why we're so quick to criticise when when people are doing things that we don't necessarily agree with, and and I don't mean harming people because I'm bloody I've got me judgy McJudgy pants on about people who are harming people or animals. Yeah, I agree. Elderly, disabled, don't freaking do that, you know. Yeah, but when people have got difference of opinion, you know, and, and they're, they're brave enough to stand up, we should be celebrating. You know, we should be patting them on the back for being brave because everything in life tells us not to be brave. You know, everything in life tells us sit down, shut up, don't speak, don't rock the boat, you know, and don't don't get people offside and don't have people not like you. Like that's everything we're told. So I reckon we should be celebrating. Now, I, speaking of these elections, because I've got a thousand things I could talk to you about. You <laughs> you, I'm just going to go through the list because I want to, you know, you you, you did GCLP, which is a leadership. You you were uh, have been elected the, a sitting councillor of Latrobe City Council, which you still are right now. You helped in the Terrelgan floods without anybody asking. You just just got straight in there and um, just fixed fixed some problems. Um, you started up the Kinder Cup, which is a, a cafe that's run from auspice or whatever from the Mowal neighbourhood house, which is unfortunately shut at the moment because of lack of patronage because of people working from home. Um, you've got the food bank that's running out of Mowal neighbourhood house. And these are just a few things like, you know, these are your yeah, hairdressing. I just interviewed a couple of few weeks ago um, uh, Julie Phillip, you know, who comes to your house uh, doing the hairdressing. I know, or should I say barbering? So you've got like... <laughs> Like what I love about you is you just say, well, this needs to happen and then it just gets done. And so we haven't got time to go through everything, but I only wish we did because you're just, you're just incredible. But let's talk about this um, state election. And and I remember, I remember you telling me, oh, it was a couple of months ago, I said, are you sure? Like, Jesus, Tracy, you're, you've got that much on. You know, you sure you want to put yourself through this? And you, you said, Karen, you know that saying, somebody should do something. And then I realised, well, I am somebody, so I'm doing something. And and all I could say to you were, was I bloody applaud you. <laughs> Fantastic. So what, what was it? I know you've done it once before. I was at 2014. But what was it this time that you, like, because you could look at the last one as even though you, won 11%, you could still go, I was defeated. I'm never doing that again because this is what a lot of people do. I'm never doing that again. You know, I've made a fool of myself. Nobody cares. You know, we like it's easy to run like that. But you, you're like, no, no, I'm having another crack at it. What what was it that made you say, you know what, I need, I need to stand up for this. I need to do this. So there were a couple of things, I guess, that... Um... I realised I'm somebody is one of them. Um, and I think that's a really important lesson. I've got two girls and a son. And I think for me, I'm always looking at how I can set an example of how how do you be brave? How do you stand up for something you believe in? Even if you think you might fail or you think nobody's listening or nobody cares, how do you use your voice? Yeah. Um, and that's really important to me. And it's really important to me that if there is a social justice issue, which I believe that there is um, many in the seat of Morwell, mm. that you can speak up for those things. So I think for me um, this time, I really felt like we've got a number of problems and issues in, and I don't want to speak on that deficit space, but if we look at how we're transitioning our coal community, um, 
in diversifying our industries and our businesses so that this community doesn't get left behind. I'm not sure where we're sorry, where where we need to be right now. And I have got great concern that we're going to be left behind. Yeah. Um, that coal will close, whether we, you know, like it or not whether we're ready for it or not. Um, and I guess the last couple of years with COVID, I feel like we've taken our finger off the pulse a little bit. Um, now, I know that those global impacts have been far-reaching and we've had that immediate crisis to deal mm. with. But the fact is coal is still shutting down. And in terms of being ground zero for that, um, Latrobe is ground zero for that. And I feel like um, I get to see that pointy end every day of where this fails. Um, you know, people that are living on the edge, that fall off the edge, um, that are living in poverty. And if we don't get this right, get the transition right, and if we don't invest in employment and we haven't got somebody shouting from the rooftops about it, yeah. then I'm deeply concerned that we will be left behind. And I guess for me, offering that independent space means that I'm not beholden to a party or their views or their agendas. My party is the community. Um, and I've been entrenched, like working in the trenches now for 10 solid years. I had to think about that. Um, <laughs> and I know the community extremely well. They have unfettered access to me on a daily basis. So, you know, over that time, I've really got to understand, one, what the problems are, but also, I guess, what, what our community feels like the solutions might be, where they're looking to place their aspirations and their visions and their dreams. And, and so many times I get told over and over again, we just want somebody to stand up for us. We just want somebody to say that stuff. You know, the hard stuff that people won't ask, like... Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, what are we doing with mine rehabilitation? You know, how will this be, how will those mines, and they're massive, become assets to our community because that's what our community wants. They want them to be um, assets that they, you know, that maybe they can be economic assets. Maybe they want them, you know, as an opportunity to really be visionary about how we rehab them. But there's not the resourcing to do that. So how do we get people on board to actually really look at that um, and not yeah. offer us just that one like solution opposite you yeah. know, option of filling it with water? Let's look at all the options, um, yeah. that sort of thing. And I feel like for me that I've just I've just recently turned 50. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something empowering about that where I'm like, yep. To say it, I'm happy to say the hard things. I don't feel like I've got to have the solutions for everything or the technical knowledge for everything. Where perhaps, you know, even five years ago, I felt like I didn't know enough. Yeah. But I know enough to know right from wrong. And I can speak up um, in spaces that community see are important if they identify that with me. And over the last sort of, particularly the last eight years, I've been an advocate for so many issues in our community. So I feel like I'm quite well positioned this time to actually raise those issues that are really important to our community and that matter. And you know what I didn't want to see? And I just, I didn't want to see another election period for Latrobe that we just talked about infrastructure. 
Yeah. So if I'm elected, I'll build this thing. If we're elected, we'll invest in this thing. I I really wanted to have the opportunity to, to talk about the impacts of successive governments failing to invest in public and social housing. What does that actually look like? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what does it look like? You know, what does health and planning look like? We've been made, Alan, you know, we've been made a health innovation zone, which is wonderful on paper. And it's about co-designing, you know, our health programs as we go for, forward. But we're also heavy industry zoned. Mm. So how do those two marry up? Like which one trumps which? And we've seen that heavy industry zone trumps the health innovation zone uh, with the, you know, approval of ULAB. So how do we coexist those two things? Mm. I, you know, in my mind, I actually don't know, but I want, I'm prepared to have those discussions. I really want to understand what we can do to ensure that ending industry coming into the valley and we welcome, you know, industries here. We, we really want to see a diversification of industry, but we want to make sure that they're health neutral or they have neutral impacts on our health. We don't want to be in a position where our health mm. is being sacrificed over and over again for industry, um, you know, on the pretense that, you know, this is employment as well, and we know that it is, but we can have employment that is looking at being, you know, that is health friendly as well. I guess yeah. that's what I'm saying. So those issues to me are really important. If I look at the, the Latrobe um sorry the Latrobe Valley Authority my mind went blank because so many authorities and and that um you know that's a really important um body to be looking at the transition um of our community and that economic diversity of our community but it's only resourced for 12 months at a time you know if we're serious about um ensuring that Latrobe's not left behind that needs long-term secured funding um, things like that, you know, I really want to be able to advocate those really important issues, raise the profile of those issues and not just, I guess, sort of set the pace so we're not just talking about, like I said, infrastructure builds or or things that will, you know, that are, I find that are a little bit abstract in detail of how we'll do it, like we'll fix the um, health crisis and, and if we're very clear about how long it will take because none of these things are short term fixes yeah. or you know things that we can fix tomorrow um they are long-term investment they have to be looked at in long with long-term lenses but ensuring that our community is is along for the ride and I think sometimes in our spaces we forget the voices of community and those that are what, what I call the hardly reached and the unheard are definitely not at those decision-making tables yeah, and their voices yeah. don't actually filter up in the way that they should. So mm. I feel like I've got my finger on the pulse uh, with that cohort of the community, but also the broader community. My role at council has allowed me to have sort of a more strategic understanding of what the needs of our great region are um, and how we might be able to be, you know, working more co uh, co cooperatively with different bodies, with government agencies, um, with businesses to ensure that we get to where we need to go. Mm. But also my work in the trenches on the ground at Moorwell Neighbourhood House, get, you know, informs another space. It informs that space for me of like that community voice, what are actually the problems, what communities see as the problems, because I get to hear it and interact with it yeah. every day. Yeah. So it made sense for me to speak up 
to put myself out there. And like I said before, I think it's really important that we that we do that when we feel really impassioned about something, yeah. that we be brave enough to say it. We don't have to win. We have to even just even just being in the mix makes a difference because people that have never been engaged in politics before or felt like their vote didn't matter will start identifying with somebody that they feel that um, represents them. Mm. And I know um, a number of times now since I've announced, I've engaged with people who have actually said to me, I always felt like it didn't matter what I did if I voted and I, I don't even care, but because you're running, I'm taking notice. Wow. wow. Because you're running, I feel like I've got a voice. And even if it's just one or two people, you know, that is making a difference. That's actually it's allowing them to understand that their vote is important, that they do have power and that they should make informed decisions about their candidates, where their candidates are positioned on at it, sorry, on matters that, you know, matter to them and mm-hmm. items that matter to them. And then they should then vote according to how they would like to see the candidates nominated or candidates represent them. They yeah. should vote in that order. But for me, every time I talk to somebody that says it matters to me now, I, I feel like I've made yeah. all the difference in the world because that's empowering in themselves. You know, if it's even if it's just this one time that it's mattered, it will matter now to them in future elections. And not only that, it's the ripple effect. You know, if they suddenly feel like they've got a voice, you know, through voting or through um, a voice through somebody else's voice, then that ripple effect is then then they tell the next person, oh, yeah, you this is good because, you know, you can change, blah, blah, blah. And people feel powerless. And whenever you can empower somebody to feel like they can make a difference, that's massive. Oh, I think it's huge. And and I think to me already, like I said, a number of people have identified to me that it, you know, they've never taken any notice at, at polling time, but they are this time because they feel like their voice matters. And to have people that have been politically disengaged, um, I guess, living on the fringes, marginalised, to then say they actually feel like they have a voice or their vote matters, um, that's really important to me as well. And I want to engage people on that level um, as much as I can because, you know, if you don't care about your education system, if you don't care about your health system, if you don't care (laughs) about, you know, your health system, all of these things, then, you know, then your voice doesn't matter, does it? And your vote doesn't matter. But if you're impacted in any way, with these things, we, you know, through the education system, the health system, you know, food security, housing, all of these things, if you're impacted in any way, then it does matter to you. So mm. I think if we can provide an opportunity for people to see how they can make a difference and what the power of their vote is, that's yeah. really important um, going forward. And they will vote um, according to what they want to see. So if the good people of the seat of Morwell want to see me elected, that's what they'll vote for. Yeah. And if they don't, if they say, look, Tracy, we love your work, but we don't quite love you that much. We don't think you're ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> then I still, I still 
I'm going back to my day job and I still have an impact every day and I still remain in this community advocating and being a community voice. So it was my 14-year-old daughter as well that kind of pushed me over the edge and said to me one day, mum, you've got nothing to lose. You make a difference either way. And I thought, you know, I don't. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I get an opportunity to advocate um, as an independent and and well, these are the important things to our community and I get to raise those issues over the next number of weeks. Um, but if I don't get in, I still get to raise those issues and I still get to be um, advocating in our community and I still get to do my really important, powerful, impactful work yeah. every day. And the good people of um, the seat of Morwell will still allow me to be buried here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they still see me as local. So <laughs> I don't know. And sometimes it's when people say things to you like that, you know, having my daughter say, you yeah. make a difference no matter what, you've got nothing to lose and you should do this. Yeah. It was really important to me. And, you know, I, I, I haven't had the best year this year. I've had a really rough year. And um, I just... Yeah, and I, I wasn't sure whether I whether I should or whether I had the energy to, um, but in the end I, I felt like it was, one, it was really important that I did and um, sometimes you've got to put yourself, you know, it's, it's bigger than you, you know, you've got to put yourself out there and you've got to, because it will make a difference and I think if nothing else the seat, I feel like the seat will stay marginal um, and I'll be able to set a pace for the other candidates to follow because we're, we're going to be talking about my team and myself will be talking about these, these really important issues in our community. And, and even if you didn't get in, um, you know, when you're talking about you could just go back to your job, but the fact is you've had, a, you've had a voice, a strong voice that's been listened to for the last few months, Do you, you know, and Absolutely. so that was an opportunity to bring those issues up and, and to put them out there for other people to, to hear. And now, now that they've been put out there, they can't be taken back. You know, they're, they're, they're already on the table. So now, whether you get in or not, you know, somebody's, People are talking about these issues. I, I hope you do get in. Now I can tell you something else too, and and I don't want you your opinion on this because, um, and I don't, you, I know you won't give it, but I don't want anyone to sway either way about your thoughts. But for me, um, I think that people are politically disengaged because of the bloody schmozzle that's gone on for the last few years. Now that's my personal political opinion, and I don't want I don't want you to share what your thoughts are on it. But but the point is that. You know, when people become disillusioned by government, you know, they they do become, oh, it's kind of like, what's the point? What's the bloody point? You know, they're just a pack of dickheads. This sort of, and this is a sort of rhetoric that we get going. So um, to have people that they can actually feel safe with, do you know, and feel like that even if you can't get things through in parliament, you know, here and there, that they, they know you've got their back, you know, they know that you're going there with these um, issues and that you're voicing these issues and that you're, you're putting your heart on the line in parliament trying to advocate for them. Do you know that's what people care about? Whether you succeed or whether you don't succeed, or whether you only succeed sometimes, the fact that somebody's seen them and heard them value what matters to them and that they, you know, are a voice for them. That's 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 vital in the communities, any community. Yeah, I agree. And I think that having that representation that is reflective of the community, its aspirations and its yeah. 
you know, and the issues it raises um, being taken seriously and being taken to that next level, you know, of, of representation at Parliament is really important. But I think, look, if I look around, you know, every seat is important, but for me, my heart is in La Trobe. Um, and I just see that there are so many um, issues that need to be raised, um, concerns that need to be aired, um, you know, there's opportunities for collaboration um, and really kind of raising the bar on one representation but to, you know, ensuring that our community isn't left behind. Um, and that is a real concern for me on many levels. Like I said, with if I, if I look at my councillor hat and if I look at the, you know, if I work through to the hat that I, my day-to-day -day job, I have a real concern that Latrobe will be left behind if we yeah. we we don't have really strong advocacy. It's not you know it's not terrible. It's not bad yet, and there's definitely work there. But there's what's that saying when you you can do better, you should. You know when you know you can do better, you should do better. So oh yeah, I, I can't think it's it's close to that. I can't yeah. Think so um, and for me, it's about you know some of it's about that is like you know we. We know that there's some real, you know, massive challenges for Latrobe as we go forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we should be putting our best foot forward. So we should be ensuring that good people, good people that have got, you know, the back of our community that are prepared to put themselves on the line, that's who I want representing us. You know, yeah, every election I want really good people standing up saying I'm going to have a go at this because I believe in my heart that I can represent and support our community um, you know so that we get some amazing outcomes so whether I'm a party candidate or an independent I want that person to be having our back all the time and yeah. and having the aspirations of their of our community in their back pocket you know and fighting for that no matter what it is I want them fighting for that all the time. So if I can raise that bar a little bit and raise that narrative and the importance of, of people actually nominating at the state election, and that's another thing is that, you know, so many times I've spoken to people going, oh, I've thought about doing, maybe I should do it, but I've talked myself out of it because it, yeah. you have to be quite brave to put yourself on the line. And I know as a woman, if I think back to 2014 um, when I first started speaking up, all of these um, media, I guess, sort of, oh, I was going to say, I'm just looking for the right words. So, you know, the the media slander of Julia Gillard oh, at the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. it terrified me. Though, you know, it was things about what earrings she was wearing and how she was dressed and, you know, and I was really quite frightened of speaking up in that space because I thought as a woman I'm just a target I'm a target <laughs> it doesn't matter what I wear what I say what I do you know and someone's gonna you know make fun of me or belittle me or you know and it's, it's really hard and I I really would encourage more women to to think about nominating um at elections whether that's state local federal um, and really advocating for the issues that are important to them because the diversity 
you know, on the ballot paper is really important. It's important to our community, but it's important so that we can get really good outcomes for our communities. Um, because if we don't provide that diversity, then the same old faces get in. Yeah. You know, and the same old attitudes. Yeah. And the same old attitudes, the same old space, because we're not offering our community a different alternative um and yeah. so I think that's another reason for me why I started to really think well look I mightn't have the energy and I mightn't feel completely up to it but <laughs> but I have to find it because if I can set an example for someone after me to follow me and just go well you know what if she did it I can do it yeah you know, that's really important as well and and if I can set an example for my 14 and 19 year old daughters who yeah you know, in the future, I hope that aren't afraid to speak up and can hold their truth. Yep. You know, even when they know they might be knocked down at the knees by other people, but if they can hold their truth and stand up for what they believe in um, and call things out and call bad behaviour out, which is something that I've always been frightened of doing as well because you don't want to make yourself a target. Yeah. Um, you know, I want them to do that. And if we want better standards, um, with our politicians and better standards in terms of how we're being represented, then we absolutely have to have diversity on the ballot paper. Yep, we absolutely do. And we need we need way more women. I love just I love, you know what, I love everything you've talked about. I I, I just no, I really do love it. I've I've absolutely loved having you on because I just think that one, I wanted to talk about you being a leader in just standing up in society, just standing up in the community, standing up for the community. Um, you know, you've gone all out and be and, and put yourself into the state elections. I mean, you know, but but we need that. And and to me, you're the epitome of get off the bench you're the epitome of leadership you know you just just you see your need you stand there but also with the leadership is you have got people following you on on the journey you know you are leading people to a better place and I, I absolutely love it now um Tracy people are going to want to like you've got you've got seven things that you are in your vision and I, I want to send people there I'll quickly read them out but I want to send people to your website adjust transition you know that is from coal power to renewable energy uh, mine rehabilitation and water allocation social and public housing health and community services health in the context of the uh, planning and environmental protection acts climate action and response and long-term funding for the latrobe valley authority which you talked about before and without this it, this could be a whole other episode going into them which we won't do but please um i want to i'd love people to go to your website and actually you know just give you the five minutes to check it out and actually start to think you know what this stuff is important and particularly if you live in latrobe valley you know this stuff is important and i'm so bloody glad that somebody's standing up for this stuff so where can people go to find you to read all about this? Yeah, so you can go to the webpage. So it's tracylund.com.au. You can actually find me on Facebook as well. So it's Tracy Lund. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. So I'm on all the socials. Um, you know, failing that, um, a lot of people just pop into the neighbourhood house to see me as well. I think I'm the most accessible candidate there is. Um, <laughs> I, I do work in a public space so people can come in and out. Um, but, look, try those options. Reach out in any way that you are comfortable with. We will respond and um, and then get in touch with you and, you know, as quickly as we can. I will say that... Um, 
being an independent, we we don't have a lot of resourcing. So we're, you know, I've got a small team working with me. Sorry, my dog's just jumped up. you know, um, so we we work as hard, and we're all working full time. So, um, so we will get back to you as quick as we can. And I just wanted to say, I think that the important thing of the get off the bench for me is, and you know, and I've heard you speak a number of times, Karen, is that I've always come away with the walking alongside in my mind is that not only are we getting off the bench and we're, you know, you're speaking up and you're you're getting your good stuff done, but the importance of leadership that walks alongside people and and doesn't work at them is really um, invaluable. And I think that that's something that we both carry in our hearts. Um, So it's something that I certainly appreciate of you and the way that you work as well. So um, walking alongside people and is so important and not just leading from the top down. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really important spaces. Well, thank you for that feedback. Yeah, and I, I totally agree because that's that's empowerment. Otherwise, you're just dictating and saying, follow me and expecting people to go blindly. So walking beside people is truly, truly empowering them to, you know, because they might want to go off on a different journey and that's fantastic so we empower them walk beside them and say what do you that's want right. to do yeah and, and say, I well, think- not everything you want to do I would like to do this you say great then go ahead and do that and that's that's the power in it isn't it is ensuring that people are, are safe in their their spaces that they yeah. they can advocate where they need to and that they can make those little differences in their day-to-day lives um or or with their friends and family you know there's so many ways that um people lead I guess and or become really good leaders and I will say just on that leadership thing and it's something that I think about a little bit when I reflect on my own practice and what am I doing yeah (laughs) does it make a difference am I right that I you know, do I need to be right? Is it okay to be wrong? And I think that's the thing is is owning the stuff we get wrong. Yeah. Because there's so many times I go, you know, we didn't, I didn't get that right. I, yeah. I actually let you down there. Yeah. Didn't understand it fully. And I think if we can own some of that, um, we learn so much more out of those mistakes as well than than what we, um, I guess, you know, we'd like to admit. I agree. Well, that's humility. That's a humble leader. And that's. It is. It is. And I think that's, that's a really, there's a powerful space there. I agree. A massive, massively powerful space in that. And vulnerability, there's a few few big words there that go with, you know, it's not cockiness, it's not knowing everything, it's not who you know, it's 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 all of those other soft words that make make a really good leader. So yeah. Well, I say I say soft, but they're not soft, but you know, people consider them soft. But humility is a um is a is a massive one. So Tracy, I have absolutely loved this. I absolutely love chatting to you. You just, you're just a really, really, really bloody good human. And so these elections are happening in about oh, two or three weeks. And um, you know, good luck with it all. And I, I know that if you get in, I absolutely know that if you get in, you will give everything to the community and just you know uh, I worry about you though I think you'll give too much but <laughs> I know you'll give everything so. I I um, have got good people around me so I'm really lucky and like I said you know I'm not I'm not the poster child for self-care 
we've got to work on that. <laughs> I do have to do more work on that. But, yeah. you know, making a difference is really important. Standing up for what you believe in, absolutely gold. And if you can walk alongside people on their journey, you know, that's something that not everybody else get. you know, not everybody gets to do and not everybody appreciates the opportunity to do it. So I feel in my heart that I'm living the dream. Like, I reckon you are too. <laughs> and I, I just, I'm grateful every day that I can do this and I can use, you know, my own lived experience of things to inform my work and my practice to, you know, and then I have this engagement with the community that is, you know, that it really helps me understand their aspirations and it helps me work better. It makes me a better worker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I, I have those connections and I have that that sounding board of the community and I have support from people that are really important to me. Yeah. And when you said there, um, I'm living the dream, what the, the best part of that is, well, of course, it's fantastic. <laughs> you're living the dream. But, but even bigger than that is what a lot of people don't see is that when when we're living the dream, when you're living the dream, I'm living the dream, we, we are actually showing up as role models to encourage and inspire other people to live their dream, you know, and that is so damn important, you know, because that's why we have to show up. We've got to keep showing up and keep showing up. And yes, yes, to have our own dream fulfilled because it's fantastic, but for other people to, for their lights to come on as well. And it's such an important job to do. And we get one crack at this buddy life, you know, and use it, use it for the, the best so absolutely I agree and it's important to ensure that we have those legacy of relationships and and impact you know yeah it's really important to me I want to make a difference so thank you for having me on today oh my absolute pleasure good luck with the elections and um I will catch up with you very soon and we'll have a puppy play date I'd love to <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks Thank Eve Crazy. see ya bye oh guys I hope you love that I absolutely love what Tracy stands for and you know what we, we all have different political preferences and all that kind of stuff but when somebody says somebody should do something oh that's right I'm somebody I should do something and they actually get up and take action and and not just for themselves for for something that's bigger than them and you know if you're you're struggling to do something there's something you want to do and you're kind of like oh people might judge me what will people say all of those things that Tracy said you know you, you the fear that sits under there you've got to think about who am I doing this for is it somebody bigger than me and do those people or does that thing that's bigger than me need a voice and I tell you what that propels you you just get in there and you just get it done and you just kind of cop whatever you cop but you what you feel fantastic when you see that you are having an impact on people or on something and it just is so damn important. So as I've said, I said in there probably two or three times, I see Tracy as the epitome of leadership. You know, she just gets in and gets it done and stands up. She doesn't wait for permission. She just says, this has to be done and I'm going to do it. And I also see her as, a, as the epitome of a, com a community leader, you know, that um, I know she said in there that people said she didn't belong, but I can't even believe that because if you if you immerse yourself in a community and you see things that need doing and then you stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to do something about this, 
you fit. You are part of that community. So I really hope you love that. Um, Tracy's got the, well, the state elections are coming up on the 26th of November. And if you are in the Latrobe Valley or particularly if you are in the seat of Morwell, um, I'm not telling you to vote Tracy because she may not be your cup of tea, as she said. But please, please do yourself a favour and and read who is standing and really read up on, um, you know, what they stand for and whether you think that that's going to make a change because I'm a bit sick of seeing the Latrobe Valley overlooked. Um, Tracy's talk about worrying about it being left behind. You know, I'm over seeing that Latrobe Valley, who cares about them? You know, it's kind of the last thing we think about. You know, we'll throw a bit of money here and that. No, I think it needs to be far more sustainable. It needs to be a lot more long-term thought and interest at going into the valley, you know, to make sure we can transition properly and that people aren't suffering. You know, it's it's no good. It's absolutely unacceptable to overlook an entire demographic of people. So anyway, go and see who's running. And this isn't just also, if you're listening and you've got nothing to do with the seat of Morwell, also take that advice as well. You know, look at who's running, who's standing for you. And don't be too disillusioned by the big party politics, you know, that have gone on for the last few years. And we're, we've all become disillusioned with that. But ha- have a look at who can make a difference and who is going to be my voice. Anyway, I, I really hope you, you love that. I'm going to put all of Tracy's links in the show notes. So um, please go and check her out. But mostly her website is tracylund.com.au. Anyway, guys, that's it from me. I hope you've had a fantastic week. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for joining me again. And I'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.